some verses about where we start and where we're going. And you can start the tape now. It's already started. Awesome. So this lesson is a tape. It's about the glorious sons and daughters, which is all us. We are all sons and daughters of God. And we know where we came from, but we've got to know the stages and where we're going. Because ultimately, this is a glorious son of God, a person who is prospering, and there is fruit being formed from their prosperity. You have to develop the will and choice, which is a source of supply, knowing to lean on God and not man. And that then produces another level of fruit. And then our emotions. You know, if we develop and grow into this tree of life, we can actually receive answers from God. When it says, ask, and he will answer. But you know, that even has to produce fruit. So in each and every one of these, these rivers that flow out of the belly, fruit gets developed in each and every level. We actually can hit a level that as we develop with the word of God, that we have angels that restrain evil, that protect us. Because if we're seeking him, you know, lately, everything that I've been reading, it seems so elementary. Just seek him, love him, and as you keep worshiping him and spending time in the word, he's going to do these things for you. You will be prosperous. You will always have a source of supply. You will always get answers from God, and he will always have angels restraining things around you. I mean, that's pretty powerful when you think about it. And, you know, Michaela and I were talking about the verses about healing. And you know what? Nothing is impossible with God. Everything is possible with God. Nothing is impossible. That means he wants to mature us into this, from the start position all the way to the fullness position of what you're called to be, where your gifts are being matured. And you're using your gifts. Chris is definitely an evangelist. Todd is definitely a prophet. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what everybody is. I think that Wendy's a teacher, but we all have these gifts that have been given to us to advance the kingdom of God. And I can tell you from experience, and I think Todd spending time in the office now, he can definitely see how the, he is seeing how this works. That as we are walking out our gift, these things happen automatically. If I really am, am, am confused about something and I want to answer, all I have to do is pray and the Lord shows me something in the word. And it does connect with what I needed to know. So he gives me that answer. You know, sources of supply. One of the hardest things as we grow in the body of Christ is learning to lean on, trust in God to do it. Nobody else, when it comes to our relationships with people, forgiveness and unforgiveness, when it comes to our shame, the things that we've done in the past that we're really afraid for people to know, and then the things that relate to rejection, things that we don't feel accepted in. You know, those are the things that causes us to lean on man. And so I know that the Lord made me for a whole year clear out my bank account because he wanted to prove to me, even though I made a lot of money in one area of my life, he was going to show me that he could supply it the way he wanted to do it, not the way I wanted. So when I put source of supply, that means food. Gina's told a testimony many times about an elderly lady who she didn't tell anybody what she needed. She just kept praying and worshiping and praying. And if she prayed and knowed that she needed fruit, a basket of fruit would show up at her house. 
I know this is silly, but when we don't rush to run to get the things that we think we need, do you know the Lord is already working on getting it to us? He will send somebody to give us something. You know, and it can be a desire of our heart or it can be something that we need. Raise your hand if you've experienced that. Right. You know, and then he is trying to expose himself. So we know that he's real and that we can rely on him. And so that's the person who's actually developing understanding of him. That's when you start understanding him in his ways. So we all start from the lost position and we all get to the fullness position. So if everybody opens up their books to Matthew 18, 11, I'm gonna walk you through how we develop to be that glorious son of God, the one who has angels restraining them, words from God, a source of supply from the Lord, and always having that river of prosperity. Matthew 18, 11 says, for the son of man came to save from the penalty of eternal death, that which was lost. And you know what? It took me a long time to understand that, what it meant, I'm lost, I'm lost, or how it felt to be lost. Do you know you can even be saved in Christ and have moments where you feel lost? How many people have been saved and still feel like, why do I still feel like there's lost feelings, right? Because we grow in measure of trusting God. We grow in that measure, and then he takes that feeling away. But we are ultimately never truly lost, because once we accept Christ in our heart as our Savior, and then we accept now to walk this out as him guiding our life, and him being the Lord of our life, well then, that's why the Son of Man came. Because after, (laughs) there were so many rules, and so many regulations in the Old Testament, that you know there was no man that could ever fulfill that law. There is no man that could perfectly fulfill the law. So God sent his son so we could avoid the penalty of death. Not just, we get eternal life up in heaven, but here on earth. Remember, our Father who art in heaven, how will be thy name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on heaven on earth as it is in heaven. So that means that eternal life that we're supposed to feel up in heaven, we can start having that experience now. And you know what? One of the verses we were reading talked about Jesus, and this is hitting me because um, Michaela and I were talking about this verse. And it was an awesome verse about, (laughs) for the, it's John 3, 8. John 3, 8. For the purpose the Son of God was manifested. Okay, so there was a purpose why God sent his son and manifested him in a human body so that he might destroy the works of the devil. All right, there's a purpose on that, destroying the works of the devil. That means the things, everything the devil has tried to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives, the Lord sent his son to show us the power of God when you become one with God. And there was no devil that was going to affect Jesus. He passed all the tests because he had that one relationship with the Father. So for the Son came to save from that penalty of eternal death, that which was lost because it got lost in the Garden of Eden. All right, so that's what a lost person, that's a person who doesn't understand that there is a stronger power out there 
that can help them walk out their life day to day. And it, and it comes to, he was manifested to destroy the, the works of the enemy. And the works of the enemy are the things that get us to feel what? Depressed. The works of the enemy is making us feel like we're not going to have enough money. The works of the enemy, um, making us feel like if you have a disease or an illness or sickness, that it's just, it's just part of your life. He came to kill that power, and we have to now start walking in a relationship so he wants to prove himself to us. And then what do we do? We get stamped approved as we walk it out, and we know it's real. So when we get saved, we get cleansed. Everybody turn to Titus 3, 5. Titus 3, 5. Because he makes it very clear in Titus 3, 5 why he saved us. And I like this because how many people apply for a job, they go in the interview, and they're like, yeah, I aced that interview. I was the best interview, right? And then they get the job, and when they get the job, they think it was all because of what? Their resume or something that they did. I mean, because that's how the world works. The world, we have to walk into a place, fill out an application, and somebody stamps us what? Approved. Or we get what? Rejected. You have to fill an app. My daughter's filling out application for college. They're going to decide if they're going to accept her or if they're going to deny her. Well, in Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done. See, I mean, this is very powerful because even though as I said in the beginning, the Lord has given us all special gifts, gifts that come very easy to us. But those are not the gifts that get us reconnected to God. Even though those things come easy to us, he saved us not because of the works of righteousness that we have done. So if you've done this list of great things, we, I know when somebody comes in here, because I was like this person. <laughs> I came in here and said, I've gone to church all my life. I had my daughter baptized. I got married in the same church. Like I'm, I'm what? Writing my resume, right? I gave money. I've always tithed. I am making my list why when I walked in the store, I was good enough to stand in here, right? We've all had those moments where we think that it's because of what we have done or come into agreement that the Lord wants us. But he makes it really clear here. He did not save us because of any works that we have done, but... Big word I like, everything before but is a lie. That's what I would tell kids in school. But because of his own pity and mercy, by the cleansing bath of the new birth, regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now I love this verse because this did not make any sense to me when I first heard it. So I understood that Jesus accepted me and saved me because of his pity and because of his mercy, because he has mercy when we're, in, when we're in a time of need. But I didn't understand this. By the cleansing bath of the new birth, the regeneration, and the renewing. So there are two words. A regeneration has to happen, and then a renewing. There's two steps to it. The first is the regeneration, because the first thing that has to happen is your spirit that sits right in here, people, you can feel it. You feel something gets regenerated. Something you already knew. I knew when God would speak to me, 
But that doesn't mean that I was following it or listening to it because I hadn't really accepted Christ as the Lord of it. So that regenerated, that regeneration had to happen. But then the second part was, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. The renewing of the Holy Spirit. That's my soul. That means this spirit, once it got regenerated, now it has a mission. Its job is now to what? Renew my soul. Do you know this same image is right here? Same colors. Intellect, intellect. Will and choice, will and choice. Emotions, emotions, affections, love. This is a blank slate. This is the spirit trying to lead the soul. The soul is the producer of the word of God. The spirit already knows the word of God. We can only learn it by communing with God. And then we can just start discerning what's of God and what's of not God around us. But the moment it comes out, it comes from our center. And I look at this as like a little disc. And from the center of my heart, it's coming up the center. And it's trying to penetrate, penetrate my intellect, my will, my emotions, and my affections. Penetrate, trying to become one with it. That spirit is trying to have an intercourse with your soul. It is trying to come up through the center and become one with it. Because when it can do that, and then your soul can produce what the spirit says, then you can start producing fruit. All right? But it has to happen in this instruction. Because of his pity and because of his mercy, by the cleansing bath of the new birth, the regenerated spirit, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So who does it all? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in your heart. That Holy Spirit that grows. The more you commune with it, it grows to overtake your soul. I love this chart. Because here, the soul's all alone. A lost person doesn't know it has a spirit to regenerate. A person here doesn't know that they have to renew their mind. They're a person who constantly think that, oh, well, what I've been taught is what I've been taught, and that's what I am. But when the word enters in, it divides. So whatever word you heard that caused you to want to be saved by Christ, it enters in, and boom. There is a direct division, divide, between the soul and the spirit. Now the spirit's goal is to what? Take dominion over the soul. Take dominion. Take dominion. Now, here, the spirit rules the soul. But the positions don't change. The spirit can't make the choice. The spirit just holds the truth. The soul has to make the choice. And see, the enemy enters in in four areas. He tries to get us in love. He tries to get us in fear. He tries to get us to make the wrong choice. He tries to get us to even get off the word through our intellect. So there is such a battle that goes on because God already knows you're going to be this. There isn't anybody in here. God already knows that you're going to be this. Can you connect with it? And that's where the marriage takes place. That marriage of the spirit penetrating the soul. And then you just start, you start flowing in all these things. And we do it in levels. So I felt like Titus 3.5 was such an important verse. Because he tells us if you don't have that regenerated spirit and you're not letting your soul be washed by the Holy Spirit, be renewed by it, 
That's what holds us. We have to keep stepping that, stepping it out. That's why you got to be in your word every day. Bearing a new image, 1 Corinthians 15, 49, says, Just as we have borne the image of dust, so shall we, and so let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. Okay? And I think it says it another way, too. I wrote these down. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Some people's Bible says heavenly man. Who's the heavenly man? Jesus. Okay, so every single person here was born of dust. We were all born of dust. We all have the elements, water, earth. We need air to breathe. We were, God created Adam, or he pulled it up and he created him from dust. And then what did he do? He breathed life into him that's a spirit okay so he was already showing us that you had to go through that regeneration but he tells us we are born of man of dust but he said we shall also bear that's a very firm sentence we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man it is a we are supposed to be walking towards this man this fullness this person who is one with god so I love that, that this really reminds us, a lot of, a friend just came in before service, Kimberly, and her sister is seeing the changes in her. And she's like, you know, Kimberly, you can come to God, but I'm not good enough to. I've slept with everybody, I'm promiscuous, da 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 da, da. She went through the whole list, and she doesn't think she's good enough. When she doesn't know she was already born to be good enough. Everybody was born to be good enough. And we hold ourselves back because we can't see ourselves. If we started looking in a mirror or have an image of ourselves of what our heavenly aura would be, you know, that's what we need to be looking forward to, which is what? Jesus. Jesus walked very confident. Jesus walked comfortable. He got up, knew his assignment every day. He didn't worry about if it met anybody else's assignment. He did his assignment, and he was really cool because we, what, laid hands on people, saved the sick. We're to walk in that. We have the same power in us, which is that regenerated spirit. And we're reminded that we, we shall also bear that image of the heavenly man. You know, we have the ability to have the power to carry that a power here on earth with Jesus Christ. But if we don't connect with it, we can't bring it from heaven onto earth. We've got to connect with it and grow with it and measure. The Lord would never hand us our heavenly body, you know, like that. We have to build and build and build that understanding. So our new creation is 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it says, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. A new creation altogether. The old, previous, moral, and spiritual condition of that man has passed away. And behold, the fresh, the new has come. You know, there's a lot saying when somebody constantly tells you you're a loser, you're dumb, and you're ugly, and you're not smart, and you're not going to get anywhere, it is very hard for you to say and see yourself in that image of Christ in a new image 
behold, fresh and new things come to you. That doesn't mean the circumstances around you change as much. It's how you handle them, how you work them out with your renewed mind. So therefore, if is the key word, any person is engrafted in Christ. Now we all have that dormant, I call it a void, dormant spirit, unconnected back to Jesus or to the Father through Jesus. But not everybody accepts it. That's why we're supposed to be zealous for God and know how to discern what's happening around you because the Lord's going to use you to engraft somebody into Christ. And I don't know how many people have had that experience, but you're going to have a situation where somebody's going to look at you and not understand. And the Lord will give you the right words to help them understand and engraft them into Christ. And, you know, I was telling this to Todd about when I was in, I don't know if it was Todd or, I think it was Todd, when I was in college. And there was this couple, and they were really into Jesus. And they were just like, hey, come to this, come to this uh, class, you know. And all they did was talk about the Bible a little bit, and then they were all out drinking, partying. And it never felt right to me being in the dorm, having the little Bible lesson. I mean, then you're living on the campus, so you see what everybody else is doing. So it never really sat right to me. I never could understand holiness. I could never grip holiness because you do feel like you're not good enough to be of that holy image. Where our walk is to be towards what? Holiness. Because he's already created us to bear the image of holiness. So that means the power is in us as long as we come into agreement to bear that image. So if any person is engrafted, so everybody has a time when they have an opportunity. There isn't one person that doesn't pass away in this world or in this earth that hadn't had an opportunity to be engrafted into Christ. I am a firm believer. The Lord wins. <laughs> he, you get that opportunity. And even if somebody was the most grumpy person up until their death and they got saved at that moment, I feel like the Lord wins. I feel the sad thing is he just missed out on what he could have at earth, what he could have on this earth. But I believe he always wins because why would have Jesus come? And it says, it even says in that one verse, and the God of peace will crush Satan under, under your feet shortly. You know, I, Jesus didn't come here to die so that people did not. There wasn't, it, the if is we get to choose it. We get to choose it. And so that's what helps us become alive with God. Ephesians 2.1. We have to walk alive with God, not walking. We've read verses about sleepwalking, people sleeping. Do you know what a sleeping person is? A person who is walking and not tapping in to the Christ in them, not tapping into that regenerated spirit, not renewing their mind, their soul. That is a person who's walking dead in Christ. They can be a believer. I love this. I have learned a cardinal Christian truly is somebody who believes and accepted Christ in their heart, but they're not doing anything about it. So they're walking what? Asleep. Asleep. You're not aware. You're walking blind. So Ephesians 2, 1 says that we have to be alive with Christ and you, he made alive when you were dead by your trespasses and sins. So the moment we decide to walk this out, 
I don't care what your past is. Every, I mean, you should be so proud about how bad your past was <laughs> because he already says that he's going to take all that way. That was your dead life. Now you're going to walk in your life alive. So I'm proud to say I was an adulterer, a fornicator. I spent too much money. I got in debt. Like, I'm proud of my flaws. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but I don't want to be that because you know what? I can't be that anymore because the Christ in me is alive. And because he's alive, that means the power for debt to try to overtake me can't win. The power for lust to overtake me can't win. The power for greed to overtake me can't win as long as I'm alive in Christ. In fact, Rachel was born here in Georgia and I had my, I have Jewish and Catholic family, right? They flew down for Easter because why? They don't believe in Christ. You know what I mean? My Jewish relatives. And Rachel's godmother was Jewish, <laughs> my cousin. And well, anyway, they came down and I said, hey, we're going to church. I had Rachel in a little Easter dress. We are going to church. Well, we walk in this church and it was a Methodist church, but they had a lively chorus. And it all started where we walked in, they sat there and all of a sudden they were whispering, he is alive. And then they would whisper each other, he is alive. And then the momentum would build up and they were singing, he is alive, right? Well, I am sitting there like, wow, there's a lot of momentum. <laughs> but I was so uneducated. I did not, and I have been in church, you know, this whole time. I didn't understand what it meant to walk alive in Christ. What does it mean? If, what do you mean he's alive? Okay, he's resurrected. No, what do you mean he's alive? That was never a good enough answer for me <laughs> because he was resurrected back to God. And so my cousin, she left me and she would text me these little texts. He is alive. And then I would write down, yep, they said it. He is alive. And it was the ongoing joke. He is alive. Well, as I've grown to understand, he's alive in me so I can walk alive with God I started to laugh because she had saw this transformation meaning I loved God before it I didn't understand the truth I didn't understand the how do you put it um, you know when you get that roster and you know the setup of who's in charge and how it all works and give me the layout of the company what's the uh, what's the what's the flow chart of how things work well I would love somebody to show me a flow chart that he was in me and he was alive in me because she had said something and wrote me a note not, not too long saying, hey, remember he's alive. And I said, Janice, he really is alive. <laughs> like I say, I need to talk to you about this. You know what I mean? My ignorance had fun with it, but yet deep down he is alive in our body. He's alive and it doesn't make a difference if you're Jewish or not. And so we had this conversation back in text and then it turned into a serious conversation. And because I'm telling her, and then I sent her my conversion statement where I went through my change. And so I told her, I said, wow, I was really mocking him then, but I was mocking what I didn't understand. And that's what most people do. They mock what they don't know, but when they connect with it, my biggest thing I want anybody to know, do you know what lives in you? <laughs> it, is my biggest, it was my biggest revelation when I walked in these doors, is that he is alive with me and I feel him. He can help me stop, say something, he can bring something for me to say something. The anointing can rise. Tonight, today I had lunch with a lady who definitely God sent this client. 
it was their time. Todd's even ministering in the whole deal. And it was a man whose son had committed suicide six years ago. And it was a lady who his mother had died two years ago and she had been crying to God for the truth. She said, there's got to be more than life. They have no debt. They both have excellent jobs. They really have it all together in the world, but they don't understand what God has for them. And she started crying. And then today she had lunch with me and she said that she has gone to a psychologist for 10 years. She got more out of this lunch. And she said there were things she told me that she didn't even tell her, her counselor because she didn't think they would understand. And you know, I loved it. I told her those tears are good. They're all of God. He's trying to get you into another place, another level of understanding. So being alive with God is knowing that there is an abundant guarantee. Now this is, one, this is the second thing. I love this word, guarantee. Because you know what? We all want a good guarantee, don't we? We want to know what our salary is. We want to know how much money this is going to be. We want to know what is the guarantee. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.5 5 says, 5.5 5 says now. I love this, now. I love that word now. Anytime I see that word now in the Bible, I get excited. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing. So, okay, he is Jesus. He's what? Preparing us. He's the sanctifier. When you hear this word, Jesus sanctifies, he is the one that prepares us through the Holy Spirit. So it says, now he who has prepared us for this very thing, who's ultimately responsible? Is God. And so I think that's how it says it in there. He who has fashioned us, prepared, and making us fit for this very thing is God. So, okay, the second half says, who has also given us the spirit as a guarantee. So what's the guarantee? The regenerated spirit. So once we know that spirit is alive in us, and now I'm walking alive with God, I, it's a guarantee he is going to fix me, change me, and cause me to be to that fullness. But I have to know it's a guarantee. If I buy a washer, a dryer, and they say you have a lifetime guarantee, right? Well, I know there's some people that will really exercise that lifetime guarantee. So if that dryer breaks 20 years and it's got a lifetime, I'm calling Maytag and they are going to replace my washer and dryer. They're going to fix it. They're going to do it because why? They gave me this paper and they sold me on the guarantee, right? Jesus is giving us the guarantee of the Holy Spirit that once you start connecting with it and know it's alive in you, that you know he guarantees that it will prepare us and get us ready for what God has for us to do. So you have to know it's a guarantee. It's in the word. And I'll tell you, every time I stick on this word, and I say, that's what I believe. And I believe that. Mm, I don't want to tell anything else. I'm going to focus on that word. Man, he makes that happen so fast. You know, it's when we start connecting with outside things. Like somebody saying, oh, you're Jesus. He's a loser. You know what I mean? He got killed on the cross. I don't care. That's not what, you close your ears to that kind of stuff. When people start to bring you down and persecute you for Jesus. Or persecute you for growing in something that lives and breathes in your tissues. It lives and breathes in your whole being. 
Do you know? And so when people get that, that means they don't have anything to worry about. Because as long as you're willing to submit to the change, submit to the feelings of the difference, submit to the healing. That's why I told the, the lady today, submit to the healing. Let the tears come. Keep crying it out. Keep talking to God. She said, I feel bad because when I fall asleep, I, I'm, I'm praying to God and then I forget. I don't finish with him. I said, that's okay. But he's, as long as you're communicating with him. And I talked to her today about it. it's really in her. And let me tell you, their eyes, there are people who don't soak in that it's a part of your being and that it's guaranteed to make you this. It's guaranteed to make you prosper, resourceful, answers, angels around you. It's guaranteed. You have to connect with it. And also what? Fellowship with it. That's why that word communion, worship God. If you're not doing any of this, your insecurity level is up high. And the insecurity is not trusting in the guarantee. How many people don't trust in the guarantee? Hey, when a salesman says, I'm going to take care of this, this car's going to be taken care of, we, we build a house, we give a one-year warranty. And then we give a two-year systems and a 10-year structural. Somebody asked me that too. Okay, so what do I get in my structural? What do I get in my two-year? What are you really going to do for me in a year? Why? Because they're insecure. They're not going to trust that piece of paper that says we're giving you this. So they constantly want to keep what? Hearing it. Hearing it. And you know, we have that guarantee of the Holy Spirit and he keeps wanting to tell us as we commune with him. When we worship, imagine this, when we're singing and worshiping, because it says, those who love me, no eye nor ear has seen all the things I will do for those who love me. All he wants us to do is what? Praise him. So when we worship and praise him, there is like, just visualize this, a whirlwind funnel shooting everything that's negative about to come your way and it's hitting it out of the park. And then, then what it does is it opens up the heaven and brings you down what you couldn't have brought yourself. He brings you your supply. He brings you your spouse or relationship. He brings you healing. He brings it all to you. And it happens fast when you press in, when you press into that other level. That's communing with him. So if you think about it, this ring can get wider and wider and wider. And the thing is discernment, we are all prophets. Prophetically, everybody can discern what's coming to them and when it's coming to them. Do you know you're, you are your own prophet? That's why the Holy Spirit's in us, to say, I will tell you, do you know what I mean? And you have prophetic offices that grow up to help somebody who cannot hear, encourage somebody who's not sure which way they're to go. A prophetic office is used as a witness to what you already know, okay? So that discernment ring, the more we worship and the more we read in the word, that discernment ring, you just, it's sensitive. You know when you walk into a room and something's not right. You know when you walked out with your dog Michaela was telling me a really good story. She walked out and she sensed not a right spirit around her because she's starting to worship. She's spending time with God. You know when you walk into something that's not right. And so your discernment key, but then if you don't spend time to them, the ring goes down and you feel more attacks and then you feel hit and you feel more insecure. So that's why it's so important to stay in those realms 
because the Spirit has given us the guarantee because God has already planned to prepare us. We have to just keep stepping forward, not right and left. So we have to grow in this abundant life with Christ. And 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So we have to grow in this abundant life. Nobody goes from the lost man to the full man like that. This takes time, time, and time. And you know what? You can pretty much judge where you are on this chart. You know you're up here if you still are not sure if God loves you. You're learning that the Lord is really here for you. You are still learning that your spirit is the one that's in charge. The person who's down here is getting healed. There's a lot of healing going on here. And what it's doing is it's getting the old man out and the ability of the new man to enter the head. Do you notice how the little head didn't hit, enter the head on that row? Your heart is right, but your head, your soul is still insecure. The person on this row, Christ is starting to take form in your head. He's starting to take over. So this person is starting to really know who they are. Who is the new creation? Who are you? Right here, you're just learning that you're loved. <laughs> and there's nobody else that's going to love you anymore than what's in you, okay? And you don't need another human being. He's going to send you your other human being. But you've got to be patient because he wants to get you to like yourself first. This is where people miss the mission. People, they meet their spouse before they even know who they are. And then they, and then they're, I'm not saying that God did not put a spouse together because that's, I guess, the plan, the way the Lord's going to work it out. But in this case, if you're in a relationship before you know who you are and whose you are, man, wiggliness. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, Wendy, Wendy's a person who's going through that. They, she got married young and they're working it out now. Now they've got to what? Work it out. And then the Lord will decide what, it, what he does. But when you get down to this next level, what do you notice in everybody's head? Christ is in everybody's head. This is the person now who does not worry about themselves. They know who they are, they know who they are, and they know that every bit of prosperity, source, answers, and protection is all from God. That doesn't mean that person still doesn't fall. That doesn't mean this person still doesn't have an insecure day, but they know to submit that renewed mind unto his leading and not their own. You know, and I have to say, I have days where it's very hard. I know that as I've grown through this chart, and I kind of like to think I'm on the, the, the second row, last guy, I feel like I'm right here. Because sometimes it's still so hard not to want something for myself. You know, it's so hard to not, um, to think that like what God has planned for me is this great big thing. You know what I mean? because we live so small-minded from just what our existence is. And so, but the more I get excited about it, and I know, I know when my times are, because we all have moments where we're high in worship, low in worship, high in worship, low in, we are flesh and blood. So that new creation takes time for it to grow, that abundant life in Christ. So it is, it truly is, it becomes a new walk. So do not, I love that verse, 
Do not become discouraged. Now, I have this written two ways. The second way says, utterly spiritless. <laughs> okay, so this is a definition of discouragement. Utterly spiritless. So think about yourself. How many times do you know that spirit's in there and you're like, where is that spirit, <laughs> right? I don't have that spirit. Discouraged also means exhausted. It means weary, out through fear. That means you're, you're really letting fear win versus sticking to what God has already showed you in his word. So though our outward man is progressively decaying and washing away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed. And so that's, I had to, it, I had to learn this, that the, it is a process of being, we grow, that little man grows, and we get excited because we've got the energy, everything's good. And then all of a sudden we start going down because what is God doing? He's pruning something else of us out. And then once we realize it, then another level of the spirit grows in us. And in those dry spells, those times of pruning, it is called the breeding ground for miracles. And it says a tremendous spiritual letdown that follows a mountaintop experience. How many people have had mountaintop spiritual experiences? Worship's high, everything's happening, and then all of a sudden, like a deep plunge into spiritual darkness, an immersion in great testing. After we experience a special touch from God, a common experience is to, lose, to, to those who walk closely with the Lord. Even Elijah experienced supernatural strength, bursting with zeal, an elevated spiritual plane in the very hour of his blessing. So this is, John 10, 10 says, the enemy comes only except to kill so at the time of the blessing. He plunges into despair because Jezebel threatened to kill him. In that moment, revelation comes. Revelation is followed by satanic attack, extreme loneliness and pain. We have to go through that. There isn't, you cannot walk in here and somebody tell me their conversion story or their growth in Christ and they better tell me they felt some pain <laughs> because you feel pain. It is a physical pain. And I know there, the times I've gone through, I, have, I even came in this ministry on a Friday night one time and I knew I went through a spiritual high and I was feeling this low and I never read this page. I came in here, I was in a field position just crying. I felt pain. And I was just like, I have grown so much. How, am I, how come I am still feeling this pain? Do you know what I mean? And the Lord, I really did go home and open right to this page. I never read it before. And I was like, wow. And it says, revelation follows that kind of pain. That means God needed me to go through this so he could reveal to me a revelation. And he could trust me with it because I already, what? I, I went through pain and exchanged to gain it. If we go through near-death experiences, feelings of hopelessness, in order to come into a deeper revelation, a vision emerges. Dry spell or low periods in your spiritual walk is who God intends to use. Do you know when it says, he who has prepared us, for this very thing is God. So that means we have to go through the spiritual lowness so he can prepare us in what we were born to do. So 
you guys getting this? It's not how the world teaches us. The world, you, you know, think about the little kid with the tantrum. The little kid who wants the piece of candy, but you know that candy's not good for him. What are you trying to do? Prepare him for something good. But what do they do? Fall out. You know what I mean? So we tend to not want to go through the suffering. So what do we do? We fall out. We have a baby temper tantrum. We call everybody up and we tell them how we're suffering, right? That's our temper tantrum. But then some people never get to the pain. They never get to where they're on the ground in the fetal position and getting through the pain. They take all their friends petting their devils. Oh no, come here, listen to this. Oh, don't let people tell you that. No, break down. And, and I mean, I, I've gone through this rotation now several times and I'm gonna tell you, every time I thought, man, I've got to be over this by now. But then when I did it, like I'll never forget that Friday night, Carrie said something to me. It was when Carrie first started coming here and he asked me something and it hit me and I came in here and I just cried my eyes out. But let me tell you, I felt the pain oozing out of my body. And then you know what? I've never felt that kind, that particular pain of that day. I know when the sun set me free, he set me free indeed. And then after that, more revelation of his word came to me because now he could trust me with it. He wants to trust each and every one of you. That's being married to Christ, coming into where he can trust you with the revelation. God gives the dry ground is exactly where the devil comes after you. It's like I remember Robert Michael, I'd love to share this when you got divorced. Robert Michael was down. He was not, he was, when I met him, he was not, he had Christ in him. He had Christ in him but he was in a spiritual low. And it was hard for you, wasn't it? And you had to, and he started learning different principles here that the Lord wanted to bless him. The Lord wasn't trying to take something away. He was trying to enhance him. And so he stayed in that marriage. She finally just left, right? And so it wasn't of God. Because if it was of God, she'd still be with Michael Robert. It's not his fault. But what he did, he stuck it out. He stuck it out. And then the most amazing part is when we watched Robert Michael go through your first level of blessings. I mean, the Lord blessed him just by learning how to stand still and stick with these principles and knowing it's called, how do you know the rhythms of grace, right? There are rhythms to grace that we walk in the spiritual walk. And part of the rhythms of the grace is when we're in our low, pot, low period and when the devil hits us. We have to go through it. And then in that, he's seeing, can we withstand the devil? Can we really not run and have somebody else take care of me? Are we leaning on God to lean on and take care of us? Are we trusting in God? Are we believing in God? And this is in everything. Do you know, he even reminds us his benefits is that he will forgive us of all iniquity. And what else will he do? Heal us from all our diseases. Now, when we're in our low spot, and how's the devil hitting you? Disease, attack, illness, okay? Making you feel guilty for something you did wrong a long time ago. Boom, you have to speak to that enemy and say, nope, I'm not in agreement with you. In fact, before I used to say, I rebuke that, I, I, used, to get, I used to get angry. And now I just say, in the name of Jesus, I'll... <laughs> now it's easy, it's easier. I don't have to muster up in anger because I already know it's a lie. So when I see it, I'm like, okay, that's a lie. And if I start feeling the influence of something, 
And the Lord always warns me. He'll say to me, back off. Don't do this. Go this way. Go that way. Bring your coffee maker home. Like I, he tells us in a way we will understand. But we've got to do it because it's the benefit for you and the situation. He knows how to protect us. I'll never forget when I heard him say, stay in your chambers until the indignation. There was a blow up that happened in this office and it didn't have to do with me. But I could have easily gotten into it. But if I didn't listen to him, if I didn't listen, I would have got myself into something that I shouldn't have gotten into. He really does speak to us. Are we able to hear it? And that's when we, we don't think we're hearing him when we're in the low period. We think we can't find him. We feel like we're like this. Where is God? Do you know what I mean? And you're worshiping and you're doing everything and you're still not feeling the man. But he's trusting you to know that he is still there. You are not lost. Just stay where you're at. He comes to you. The Lord allows the dry spells because he is after something in your life. So the dry spell is because of you. <laughs> so we got to get that right. It's not because of the other person. So every time I'm in a dry spell and I've got to grow up, even now, I got to be like, it's about me. Okay, it's not about the people around me. It's about me. I had a, just last week, uh, something almost made me really break down and cry. I was with Wendy. I was like, it is about me. <laughs> That's the first thing I said in the car. So what is it that I've got to work on? Because nobody's perfect. We're to be perfect in loving one another through this. So I've got to love everybody in here as they go through it. Because what? I want you to love me, but don't baby me. I like it. I want somebody to tell me how it is. Stop that. I want, I want that. Don't. Huh? I went right. <laughs> And with love, you don't feel judgment when I tell you. I mean, I really do love people through these times because I know how it feels. I know the hurt and the pain. So the Lord, here's the thing, in our dry moments and God is alive in us is when he wants you to surrender and know I can't get through this dry time. I am really calling and crying on you because I can't get through this pain. And you do, you start moaning to him and then it says, the Lord comes and he defeats the enemy on the dry ground. So he defeats the enemy. So why does he bring us into a low period? To remind us that we can't do it? We're not in control? We can't heal ourselves? We can only believe in his healing to heal us. So we have to believe. We have to trust. The things he's asking us to do aren't things that you can physically fill out an application and go to the store and get the medication. You've got to believe, you've got to trust in the word. So new life springs up out of the dry place and soon then a harvest comes. What's the harvest? An increase of God in you. So it's awesome. So we are now in a new walk. We are walking out something new. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by what? Faith. We have to have faith and believe and trust. We have to have faith to believe in this. So it says, we walk by faith. We regulate our lives. We conduct ourselves by our conviction, the conviction of the Spirit. So it says that we walk by faith and not by sight, not how things look, not how we're told things are. Like, you know, it is incredible. Somebody can tell you there's something wrong with you. You know what I do now when I go to the doctor? And don't laugh at this. I mean, I did this at Dr. Graham's office. Every time I, 
I mean, I don't really go to the doctor, but I went to get my teeth cleaned. I switched from Dr. Allen to Dr. Graham. But every time I, the dentist is the only thing I've been filling this out. It'll ask me all my history. Well, you know, when I was younger, and the only other time I went to the hospital before was when I had Rachel. You know, they ask you a lot of questions. Does your mother's mother have cancer? Does this, and uh, oh, is there asthma or is there diabetes? And you start thinking about these things and you're like, man, I remember the first thing I thought is, you know, I really don't know my relatives that well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know about this breast cancer stuff. And, you know, so I just decided, this is before I ever came to this ministry, that I just checked off that I was, everything was good. Like I didn't put any thought into it anymore. So when I had Rachel, I just checked off, I could have anything, there was nothing. And the, the person looked at it and say, okay, come on. No, really, that's all I know. <laughs> that's all I know. Where is the, I love this, when we sell a house on the MLS, we have to write yes, no, unknown. <laughs> so everything like yes, no, unknown, you know, if you're going to have a termite, inspe- yes, no, unknown, you know. But if you think about that, it's really good for us. We are all an individual, a new creation. If we're a new creation, then guess what? All that old stuff has passed away. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just know I'm whole. So, I mean, we, if we come to Christ, I know that sounds so youthful and silly and immature, but I love it. I come to him like a kid. You know, if that's the way it's supposed to be, then that's the way I'm filling it out. And I believe it. <laughs> I always tell everybody, I don't expect anybody to have the faith I have when it comes to health. Because for some reason, the Lord gives us each a measure. And then that's part of what he's raising and preparing us. For I may be strong in one area. Todd might be strong in another. Wendy might be strong in another. I need the faith she has in the area that I don't have faith. But then she needs the area of faith that I don't have. And that's how we become a body and we unify. So we really do. We are walking in a new faith. We are knowing that we can't feel it and touch it all the time. But the power of it is real because it's in us. It doesn't, we don't go by feelings. I don't say, ooh, I didn't feel the spirit today. No, the spirit's there because he's testing me. So when it says that we come to an end of our salvation, that doesn't mean we come to an end. That just means that we have a time where we know we received the result. And when we receive the result of that faith, guess what? Your faith has come to an end. I know that no illness can overtake me unless it is my sickness unto death, because that's what the word says. I do have one sickness, and it's when I die. So I know that that one sickness will bring me to my death. But other than that, all of them are for the glory of God. And then in 1 Peter 1, 9, it tells us we receive the end result of our faith. That means we know we know. Why? Because I experienced it. I received the fullness. So if I get sick, Okay, I was telling this to Michaela. I had a headache. It was about a year ago. It was bad, and it was getting worse. It was getting worse, and I do not take aspirin. Well, Francis said, oh, Lee, take your aspirin. Jean says, Lee, take an aspirin. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not taking aspirin. Well, I went to Francis's desk. I opened the drawer, and I saw the little orange Motrin, and I actually took the aspirin. I know, I know. Such a weak moment, right? Well, the headache got worse, and I was really mad at myself because I knew So I laid in bed, I laid my hands on my forehead, and I did, I repented to the Lord. Because I I kept hearing the words, you know better. I do know better, you know? And so I laid my hands, and then I just played the blood of Jesus, and I felt the headache lift right off. Do you know it's demonic? Headaches are demonic. 
So, I mean, if you know that you've drank enough water, you know what I mean, because we need liquid, and you, you know what I mean, that headache should lift in just a matter of seconds. And you know, I tested, because when Rachel, several years ago, I was laying in bed, not feeling good. I said, Rachel, every prophet said she got healing hands. So I took her hands. I said, these hands heal. And I laid <laughs> And I said, Rachel, now repeat after me. And I would repeat the scripture. And it would always work. I could feel the anointing in her hand. Her hand got burning hot. So when we speak the word around us, burning happens. You start feeling it. And you know what? There's power in that burning. It's burning something out. So we really do come to the end of our faith. We come to that set, that last row where we are now conquering the enemy through our faith. And we are becoming this glorious sons and daughters of God. And you know what? It tells us that we become a great people in Joel. And you don't have to turn this. I'm just going to read it. It says, a day of darkness and gloom. Now think about this because we experience that. A day of clouds and of thick mist and darkness, like morning dawn spread among the mountains. So there comes a people, that's us, we are a people, numerous and mighty, like of which has never been seen before and shall not be seen again to the years of many generations. That means the more I grow up in Christ, Rachel is going to grow up faster and the generation gets stronger. You know, think about this. Look at Gavin. Ev you're, look at little Robert Michael. I mean, that, that boy is going to have more power because it says that it is a numerous people and they are mighty, like which has never before been seen. If we raise this next generation of children... Okay, and we bring this next generation with this belief and they know this from the beginning. God is looking for people to have kingdom children right now because he's trying to raise up an army. And in Joel, he tells us he is going to blow that trumpet and he is going to sound the alarm. He's done it. And now it's time for the light of Christ to come out of these children. That's a kingdom child. You're going to have kingdom children. You're going to have kingdom children. Gavin, Robert Michael, your daughter. The more we press in, they will come right into that. And, you know, I never really thought about it as much. Like, it's important for me and my heart and my desire for Rachel to get into the right place. Because I know if she gets there and that's where she starts, that means her kids will start in that. Do you know what I mean? It's important to know that when we pray, that we cut off any generational curses because you cut off a generational curse the moment you stop taking that medication, Wendy. And Gavin, her son stopped taking medication. So now guess what? Gavin's kids, stronger. It gets stronger. It gets stronger. And I do know for a fact that my faith when it comes to health is so strong. It's because my father, not because of Jesus Christ, but he believed that once that the, the medical world was a dangerous place and he really believed it and he taught it to us and i know that that's how god used that growing up and put it in my heart not to seek medical because he just you just they're man-made but now that i've grown in christ now i see what the purpose was that because it's for deliverance 
Do you know what I mean? You can only deliver somebody in something you've been delivered or something that Christ has revealed himself and has grown in you. And just by the power of the word, the word came, what? To heal and did what? To destroy the works of the enemy. So the moment that word becomes real in you, now you speak it out and it has power. And that power can never be taken away because once he set you free, you're free indeed and that can't come back. So I know when I feel about health and hey, if the Lord says I'm sitting at a table and this is what you're being fed, you partake in that with people. You know, and I don't, you don't worry about things. You don't test God, but you don't worry. You're not supposed to worry. He's going to take you into places you don't know why you're going there. But you have to what? Stand in the light of Christ. Stand and alive with God. So praise God. I know we talked a little bit about this chart, but I wanted to kind of go into it a little bit deeper in the sense that we start from a start position and we're going to the fullness of Christ, which is that person. But it takes time to start believing, trusting, and leaning on those things that we know in us. So that is awesome. All right, well, let's just give the Lord that's awesome. Yes. You know, I like it because it says there is a fire in Joel. There's a ring. We have a chart in here, and there's a ring of fire. It says those who stand in that unity with the Lord and that strength, it says a fire will devour every person. That fire will go ahead of them, and it will go behind them. So if, as you grow in that strength in Christ, in what you're called to do, you can step out on it, and a consuming fire will block all the enemy. And you are like, an, I, I mean, I guess the best thing is to say a bubble, but you know that he can't go back on his word. He's got to, the fire, the ring of fire has to protect you. But before you can have that protecting fire, you have to go through the fire. You have to go through the fire. No, go through it. You won't be burnt. So I, I do want to encourage this. If anybody hits a time and they know, they know it would be so easy to go to another man, another solution, another debt to save you in something. Table it. Let it go. Go through the suffering. Because the suffering, man, the blessings, you can't beat the blessings after going through the suffering. I mean, that's the best way to say it, is everything that the Lord has worked out of me at this point, I know there's other things, but the things he has, I, 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 I almost really love the suffering now when I look back at it because I could have never been this strong in him if I didn't go through the suffering and so now I am a cheerleader of anybody going through suffering if you want somebody to help you with suffering text me because it's not that you're not going to always get the answer you want but at least you're going to get the answer that's going to help you stay in that narrow path to get to the end of your salvation so praise the Lord it's awesome. Does anybody have questions? You understood it? Okay. You understand? It, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because he looked at him in love. Like, you're real. <laughs> you're real. And then the, the guy who spit in his face, you're just like, he had an opportunity. And so, uh, let you, if.
if you get yourself engrafted in. That's why it's so important. I, I do believe everybody can be touched if they're touched and they know that the person, it, it, there's no motive. That's why the Lord had me. I mean, I really had to give up everything because he told me at this point in my life I could have no motive because people would want to need to know that I'm not in it for something. Like this lady today, she came because she is buying a house. And she looked at me and she said, I really don't think this has anything to do with the house. And I was like, oh, it doesn't. You know, I said, I don't care if I sell a house. This is about what God wants. And I said, so, I said, my, when you start walking out your life and knowing it's not because you need the money, it's not because you, you know what I mean? He wants to let you know he is the source of all your supply. There isn't anything he won't do for you if you're growing in him. It's not even about if you're saving a bunch of souls. You will save souls if you're in him, but don't go ahead of God because he's got to prepare a work in you. So don't beat yourself up. You relax and you commit. You relax and you commit. He does the work. He does the work. He does the work. And you know when you're at your lowest, you know he's about to do something because that's when Satan's got to get you. So you just surrender. I can't do this perfect. <laughs> I can't do this. You know, you have got to do this. I have said that to him. I, you know, in my worst, you have got to do this. I can't do it. And then I've said the, well, you put me here. So if you put me here, <laughs> then that means you're going to make this work. So I don't have to think about it. And then it always turns. It always turns after we have those moments of surrender. And they're beautiful places. It's a beautiful place. So praise God.